Brooklyn is everything. Home to icons, bar racers, and startups who are just getting started. And for all who live here, home to great health care. New York Presbyterian Brooklyn Methodist Hospital with doctors from Weill Cornell Medicine, a new center for community health, and endless empathy for everyone. Stay Brooklyn. Stay amazing. By now, you've probably seen ads about water contamination at Camp Lejeune everywhere on TV, social media, and probably even following you around on the internet. The water at Marine Corps Base Camp Lejeune was contaminated with toxic chemicals for more than three decades. It is not rare for people who drank this water for an extended period of time to develop severe illness, including kidney cancer, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, leukemia, liver cancer, bladder cancer, birth defects, Parkinson's, and more. A new law called the PACT Act allows victims of poisoned water to seek repayment for their medical costs. What those other ads don't tell you is that because the PACT Act is a fresh law, it is important to find an attorney who understands the new claims forms. There is limited time to file your Camp Lejeune claim, so you need a lawyer who can get it right the first time. The experienced team of attorneys at SickMarine.com is ready to file your claim. They will fight for you and won't take no for an answer. To file your claim and to have your case prioritized, sign up at SickMarine.com. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to another edition, another glorious episode of the Huddle Up! Podcast presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered today and brought to you by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we're kind of in a weird little, uh, I don't know, no man's land in terms of content because we're recording this before the Super Bowl, before the names are released on, on the Pro Football Hall of Fame, but we still have a pretty lively show to go through today as it relates for our listeners. Yeah, this podcast brought to you by Rock in a Hard Place. We really have nothing to really go on um, with a couple events still waiting to take place. Only thing I can say is uh, a couple Broncos are up in the air right now. We pretty much know that Pat Bowen is a lock to get in, but we don't know so much about Champ Bailey, Atwater, and John Lynch. Champ Bailey, to me, Chad, has to get in this this uh, class. Yeah. He has to get in over Ty Law. If he doesn't get in and that snub takes place, you really have to question the legitimacy, if you don't already, about the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, if Champ Bailey... I, I could live with Champ not going on the first ballot, but not if Ty Law goes in ahead of him. That would be a just, uh, I mean... Inexplicable. Let me, let, me, let me put it this way. Atwater needs to get in now. Atwater should have been in a long freaking time ago. Yes. I understand the limitations. It's hard to get a safety in, and he's not the you know ball-hawking safety that the Hall of Fame, if you're going to get in, typically uh, salivates over. But if it comes down to Champ... I could live with him not getting in this year if Atwater got in, but if Champ Bailey didn't get in and Ty Law got in, to me that would be unacceptable. I wish uh, Atwater had better representation in the hall, though. Uh, Did you see that speech on Twitter? Yeah, definitely not inspiring. I'm not about to go throw down uh, with the you know against the British Army like William Wallace on Braveheart after that speech. (laughs) 
Yeah, we're not gonna uh, we're not gonna name names, but uh, people saw it, and it was not the best uh, hype man for Atwater. I think based on his resume alone, you talk about the guy who's never you've never seen these things done before in the game. He changed the way the game is played. Yeah, that's why he should be in the Hall of Fame to me. I mean, yeah. just that should speak for itself, in my opinion. His body of work is it does it stands on its own merit. I mean, he was a eight time Pro Bowler. He played eleven years in the league. How often do you see that at the safety position? I mean, you don't. He had over a 1,000 career tackles as a safety, which you never, ever see. I mean, those are inside linebacker numbers or middle linebacker numbers for a decade-long career. So it's – and plus, the big thing that the Hall tends to really hang its hat on is were they involved in either a world championship or a dynasty. He checks both those boxes. So he appeared in three Super Bowls as a Bronco – and was on the back-to-back winning Super Bowl teams of 97 and 98. So it's it's a travesty. It's a miscarriage of football justice if Steve Atwater does not get in the hall this time. Well, the thing to me is, though, if he doesn't get in this year, I think there's enough momentum now where he'll get in next year um, or definitely soon. I think most people are realizing that he was a generational talent. He did what no player at his position did before him, and he really did change the way the safety game is played with a more enforcer-type role. And the tackles, like you mentioned, the stats he put up is just incredible. His resume speaks for itself, so he should get in this year. It'd be, it'd be really sad if he doesn't, but I think he has a really good chance of getting in next year. Amen to that. I just think of the Super Bowl thirty two at the end. The Packers have their final possession. The Broncos are up by a touchdown, and Brett Favre's trying to move the ball quick. He throws one over the middle down the left seam, and Atwater comes in with such a vicious hit that he knocked everyone out. He knocked himself out. He knocked the receiver out. And I forget the corner, the Broncos' corner he knocked out that was in coverage on that receiver. Knocked everybody out. And it, you know, it killed a little bit of momentum on the Packers side, you know. And anyway, a couple plays later, John Mobley breaks up the pass on fourth down and Broncos win the Super Bowl. So here's to Steve Atwater getting in the Super Bowl. By the time you're listening to this, you'll know the or excuse me, the Pro Football Hall of Fame. By the time you're listening to this, you'll you'll know the answer. But here's to hoping. But we do have a great show for you today. It's not exactly covering hot topics in the news, but it's topics related to your Denver Broncos, especially as it relates to the quarterback class in the 2019 NFL Draft. We're going to get to our guest for today's show here in just a second. But before we do, a couple of quick matters of business. You guys, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. If you want to get in on the Twitter mailbags, if you want to stay up to date and engaged with what's going on with the show, planning content, all that stuff, you got to follow the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. And also take some time, do your duty, leave a creative review, rate the show wherever you listen. It might be iTunes. It might be Stitcher. It might be CastBox. It might be on YouTube. Wherever you're listening to the show, always leave a review, rate the show. You have no idea how much it helps Zach and I vault up the rankings, grow, reach new listeners. It's a good way to support the show. All right, so joining us today is a senior draft analyst at milehighhuddle.com. Y'all know him. Y'all love him. He's Eric Trickle. You can find him on Twitter, at Eric Trickle. Pretty easy to find. Great follow, especially this time of season for those of you who want to know what's going on with the 2019 draft class, what the Broncos are up to. We rely and lean on him quite a bit. Eric, what's good, brother? Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be on and talk draft. Yeah, man. We... uh, I listened to the episodes in which uh, it was either last week or the week before that you were on with Nick and Carl on Building the Broncos, talking Senior Bowl. Very illuminating. Zach and I wanted to get you on today, and as we talked about off-air, we want to kind of create this as a little bit of a theme, especially during draft season where we can get you on for a segment each and every week 
to kind of, you know, uh, dish on what's going on, be our sounding board with the draft and the, the quarterback search and just kind of give us a better picture of what's going on here with the 2019 class because Zach and I, we're spinning stories, we're spinning podcasts, we're doing the best we can to create content. We lean on guys like you. We talk about it all the time on the podcast, Zach and I, that we lean on guys like you to roll up your sleeves and do the deep dive stuff on the draft class to provide the listeners and the readers with that content that is just crucial that nobody else in Broncos country can keep up with. How do you become such a sick draft maniac, Eric? What happened? Was something in the water up there in Alaska? No, actually, the year I really got down into it was the year I was actually down in Colorado from like January to August one year. And I don't remember exactly what was going on, but I just sat down. I just started Googling or whatever it was at the time because this was this was over 10 years ago, like almost 15 years ago now Yeah, that I just got into it. And I wasn't good at all back then. I was like – it was uh, – <laughs> I can't even remember who some of the players were, but I was thinking that these guys were going to be so great and should be first-round guys. <laughs> and then I went back and uh, a few years later, once I got more – experience under my belt more idea of what i wanted to look for i was realizing like these guys shouldn't have ever been considered for the first round like right they're just they're just athletes they're not football players so it's just been a lot of time and uh, i just can't remember how it was that exactly got me into it but every year and this time of year it's the time i love so tell me this how and this might give our listeners kind of a a window into you know how much time you really spend doing this in terms of your expert analysis let's just say from starting in october till now on an average if you were to average it out on a weekly basis how many hours of uh, during the week do you spend watching college film for preparing for the draft in a normal week probably about 60 hours at least ridiculous so let's get down to it right now about this draft. I mean, I think brass tacks, the biggest question on every Broncos fan's mind is quarterback. Eric, in your opinion, is Drew Locke a franchise quarterback? If he's not, who is in this draft, if anybody? Of all the guys in this draft class at quarterback, Drew Locke is one of the two that I can see that has that potential. Mm-hmm. There's some things that you got to work on. you got to clean up his footwork right. and his decision-making at times. But he's definitely he definitely has that potential to be a franchise quarterback. And I say the only other one who really does is Dwayne Haskins from out of Ohio State. Everybody else, I mean, they might be good guys that can you can win with, but Haskins and Locke, those are the only guys that can go out there and win you games. That's what you need. Talk about why it's important. So for for the average fan that's, you know, following the ball on game day, watching the TV broadcast, or even in the stadium watching the games. Most fans, what we do is we, we follow the ball, right? We follow the action. We follow the point of attack. But talk about why footwork is so important for a quarterback. When you talk about a guy like Drew Locke, who's got so much upside, he's got the tools, there's so much to like about him as far as his franchise capability, why is it so important for him to clean up his footwork? A lot of people don't see that footwork has a huge impact on where the ball goes. So if you're trying to throw off to your right and you're feet are basically facing straight forward and you don't turn your feet, you're going to be off with your throw. It's not going to be perfectly placed. You're going to end up being a little bit too far wide or even sailing the ball a little bit. Getting that footwork down is so key in getting the placement correct, being able to put the ball right where you want it. Another thing is too, is that is when you're throwing the ball is that you kind of want to roll upwards from your feet. So that's where you're really trying to get more added power from. I mean, yeah, arm strength is great, 
but it also comes from your feet and having the proper footwork, not throwing off your back foot, plotting that back foot and driving forward. Those are key things that just help with the power, the placement, just everything. It's so it's probably one of the more important physical traits that you need in a quarterback Yeah, is the footwork because it's just – has that impact in every other thing that the quarterback does wasn't uh peyton manning i mean if you talk about guys who really had to utilize every tool in the toolbox in order especially post surgeries on his neck to really be the player we saw him be in 2013 for example throwing those 55 touchdowns his footwork he was known as one of the best ground to you know from the foot to, to head so to speak technique wise right yes he really embodies that basically perfectionist with the feet mm-hmm. is like a lot of people give him give him a lot of crap because he didn't throw the prettiest of balls he threw a lot of ducks right as they said and as he came out and says that he threw a lot of touchdowns with ducks mm-hmm. but it's his footwork was why he was able to move the ball as effectively as he was his passes were not always perfectly placed but they were pretty spot on mm-hmm. because he would always turn his feet to where he was throwing he'd always roll up plant that back foot and drive forward the few times you didn't see it is when you tend to tended to see a mistake happen right. like an interception or basically a ball that just ends up sailing on him or falling short hey, Derek, i totally defer to you with your draft analysis and your scouting on true lock but i tend to agree with your negative points about him i'm on the fence about whether he's a franchise quarterback and definitely whether he's one you should trade up for in this draft or maybe wait for the 2020-2021 drafts. Where do you stand on the Broncos kind of mortgaging their future for Drew Locke or any quarterback in this draft and not waiting on a guy like Tua or uh, Trevor Lawrence? And before you answer that, my whole pitch the last week or so has kind of coalesced into I don't think the Broncos should should wait. I think they need to do something now. Here's the issue with waiting. And this is the thing, I, Nick and I always go back and forth on this because last year he was going on about how they should wait for a receiver this year. And now this year he's saying, oh, Denver should wait on a receiver next year. Is you don't know how the class is actually going to look come that year. For all we know, Tua can get badly hurt or Lawrence can get badly hurt in 2021. Something bad can happen. They can decline. I remember when Christian Hackenberg came out as a freshman, a true freshman, and just lit it up. Like everybody was talking about how he's going to be the next great thing. Well, over the next two years, he just regressed and regressed. I'm not saying that's going to happen with Tua or Lawrence, but it's a possibility. So that's the issue with waiting is that you don't know how they're going to be in a year's time or two years time. At the same time, though, I'm kind of in the middle on this trading up, mortgaging the future is because and waiting because you I have so many concerns with these guys. I mean, with Drew Locke, I talk about his footwork, but I have other concerns, too. And these are concerns that might be able to be eased up on when he's gets to when he get to the combine and he's meeting with teams because i've heard some talk that he's not the sharpest tool in the shed i've heard he's smarter than paxton lynch but that's not hard to beat. <laughs> i think the rock outside in my front yard i'm looking at through the window is smarter than paxton probably but it when you get to meet with teams that's going to help there and then i also have a concern about his hands and i know a lot of people will just give me a lot of crap about oh he's got small hands and jared goff has nine inch hands but there's there's a reason for that concern but if you're able to get up and you feel that he is the guy i think that's the key is you have to feel that this is the guy that this is the guy who's going to come in and he's going to be your future if you're moving up that's got to be the feeling you have and but i can i have a concern with is how much is it going to take to get up based on recent years it may not be as much i mean going what was it i think last year the 
Bills get went from twelve to seven, and they traded two or three second round picks mm-hmm. to move up. And I think that if Denver's trying to get to say five, for instance, with Tampa Bay, I would be expecting like two or three second round picks, and maybe a couple other like third or fourth round picks. I don't think that they should have to, or even should consider giving up a future first to move up in this quarterback class. Hmm. It speaks to your point, Chad, about not waiting and just swinging for the fences and getting that guy on the roster. Well, that's the that's the whole thing is one in the hands worth two in the bush, right? Like, you look at Tua and he's you just start salivating thinking about his franchise potential today. Same with Trevor Lawrence, and I always think Eric about Matt Barkley. How if he would have come out in twenty eleven or what was it twenty twelve? Yeah. Well, anyway, the year that he hit coming out of his junior year, he was projected to be a top five pick. And he goes back for his senior year at USC, gets banged up a little bit, regresses. He ends up going in the fourth round. Now he's a marginal backup, cost himself millions of dollars. And you could argue, we, you know, he saved some team from making a catastrophic mistake, taking him in the top five had he come out that year. But that's the type of thing I think about in terms of one in the hand being worth two in the bush. The reality is the Broncos just made a bunch of exciting, uh, what appeared to be on the surface, Eric, upgrades at the coaching level. And as, you know, Zach harps a lot about it's it's coaching, coaching, coaching. And I agree with him up to a certain point is that it'll you got to have that coaching. That's, a, you know, if you look at what the football equation is for championship number teams, you got to have that uh, that level of coaching. But at the same time, the other component in that equation is the quarterback. Case Keenum's not it. There's no, you know, interesting upside guy on the roster. You can't count Kevin Hogan. So I just think that until the Broncos, and they got to do it the hard way, you know, that you could argue they tried to in terms of drafting Paxton Lynch. They they took the first step of doing it the hard way in terms of investing a high-round pick, but then they completely botched the development of that high-round pick because of all the weird stuff going on at the coaching level between Kubiak and then shifting over to Vance Joseph and the pressure from Elway on high to win now. And, you know, they just didn't, they weren't on point in terms of their overall vision for the player. There, there wasn't, uh, the communication wasn't the way it should have been. And so as much as we clown Paxton Lynch and justifiably so for his own individual shortcomings, he wasn't managed and developed the right way by the Broncos either, which a lot of fans lose sight of. But I, I digress. Let's talk about the kid from Oklahoma just won the Heisman Trophy. Did you see that, both of you guys, since we're, we're talking about him, did you see Kyler Murray's interview on the DP show yesterday? On Friday, I should yeah. say. Pretty bad. Brutal. What are your thoughts on Kyler Murray, Eric? And first of all, two-part question. One, should any NFL team, let alone the Broncos, be considering this kid in the first round? And two, take away this whole baseball distraction aspect and whether he's committed and all that. If he, if you were just scouting him on the surface on raw ability, what's your, where would you grade him? I'll answer that second question first. Just on the raw ability on the football field, taking out the concerns over baseball and other concerns I have off the field, he is a really good quarterback. He is a playmaker. He's going to be able to find and make plays. But I have issues with him because a lot of people want to compare him to Baker Mayfield. Well, Baker Mayfield, when he was moving and escaping around the pocket – and rolling out, he wasn't dropping his eyes to looking to run. He was keeping his eyes downfield trying to find that pass. Kyler Murray, he has a tendency to drop his eyes and just looks to run. I think he's closer to a Russell Wilson than he is a Baker Mayfield. His Mm -hmm. arm's strong. He can make a bunch of different throws. I question his ability to read a defense. He's not very experienced there. And Oklahoma is not really a team that's going to challenge you to read a defense. And then 
I also come back to his size. I mean, I've heard a lot of people saying that he's 5'10", but I've talked to a few people, and they're saying 5'10 is pushing it, that he's like 5'8", and he played at 180 pounds. So if you're going to – if you want to be small, you got to be built pretty well. Russell Wilson, he plays about 215, 220. Baker Mayfield's about 220. These smaller guys, they've got some weight to them. They've got some bulk, and that's just not there with Kyler Murray. It's an, it's an issue of durability. I mean, and I know a lot of people will bring up Cam Newton and Andrew Luck and the injuries they've had. They've got great size. They're tall. They're big. They're built well. And injuries can happen at any point. Sure. It's just minimizing the risk. Mm-hmm. And if you're going to be small, you need to be built pretty well to help minimize that risk. Yeah. As for your first question, I'd have a hard time advocating drafting for this kid. Because after the interviews he's had and just how – non-committed he is to either baseball or football then you have that whole thing where he told the a's that he wanted 15 million dollars and they basically wanted to give it to him he's like oh well i'm going to still try football this feeling in my serta pro painters have powers beyond those of ordinary painters the power of time we show up when we say we will on time and fully caffeinated the power of also known as making your house look so good, your neighbors will be jealous. The power of certainty. That's your local Serta Pro Painters. The power of pro. Get your project started at certapro.com. Each Serta Pro Painters business is independently owned and operated. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner gut is that this is a kid who's out for money yes is that he gave the oakland a's a price that he wants because he wants more money that he's using the nfl to try to get more money and honestly if he doesn't get drafted i think it's like the 15th draft spot is where he would end up getting like more than 15 million dollars guaranteed or something like that i can't remember exactly what the tweet was but about that 15th draft spot in the first round i think if anything after that i think he's going back to baseball yeah because he'd be losing money right yeah he'd end up losing money from what he's getting from oak from the oakland a's Mm -hmm. and that's just so concerning to me like that that trumps anything on the field is how non-committed to either football or baseball he is and i think that he's going to continue to pit both sports against each other I think that I really do think that if he doesn't go by 15, he'll decide to go play baseball and possibly throw his name into the NFL draft next year because he can do that. Yeah. It's just, it's hard for me to say, yeah, take this kid, especially early with the concerns on the field. Like if you were, if he was bigger and I was like, okay, yeah, he's got the good size. I'm not as concerned on the field. Then yeah, I'd be all for him in the top 15, but I have those concerns that are like, yeah, he's not worth that top 15 draft spot. That's exactly what I was going to say about him. Watching that interview really cemented how I felt even way before that, that he is really, like you said, pitting the NFL against the MLB and leveraging one against the other. And he's driven by money and not driven by football. I want a franchise quarterback whose life centers around football, who lives, breathes, and dies football. And that's not Kyler Murray to me. As great talent as he is physically, um, in the game mentally, I think it's just as important to revolve your life around your craft and get better at it. And his, he's, his, 
God is money, and that's not what the Broncos need. So I'm glad you brought that up, Eric. I'm glad you handed out that. And I'm glad he had that interview because I think it turned most in Broncos country off to him. And if there's a franchise quarterback in this draft, to me, it's not him. And I think that interview just confirmed that. Eric, give me one name because we're running a little bit long. We're going to cut you loose here shortly. But for our listeners who are just now getting acclimated maybe to the 2019 class, you know, everyone's heard the names, you know, Drew Locke, Haskins. We just talked about Murray. You've heard Greer. You've heard Daniel Jones. But throw us a name out there that fans should maybe look into a little bit more who could end up being end up being more of a player in the whole quarterback converse, conversation come draft day that no one's really talking about now. Now, uh, before you added more, become more of a player on draft day, I would have said Eric Dungy. Ooh. But – some reason he seems to be just being slept on. People I've talked to in the NFL, they won't give me a reason as to why, but they're just not high on him. Now that's a Syracuse so, kid, right? Yes. He went and beat Clemson last year, came close to beating them this year. Um, he completed like over 61 some odd percent of his passes. Dangerous start with his legs. Just really good physical tools. I mean, there's some, there's some character concerns because uh, there's like three games I think he got in, into a kind of a yelling match with the refs. So there's a concern there. But as for a guy who's actually, I think, will end up being a player in the whole quarterback game on draft night, I think that's going to be the Boise State quarterback, Brett Ripien. Mm. Okay. Who met with the Broncos at the Shrine game? Yeah. Right. You got any buzz, Eric, that you've heard on what came out of that conversation Denver had with Ripien in the, at the Shrine game? I don't. I don't have any buzz on what they spoke to him about. I'm sure they were just doing due diligence, though, just in case they don't end up with Drew Luck. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, you heard it here, guys. We're going to work to get Eric on the show uh, each week. We'll have a segment set aside between now and draft day. You know, he's putting things together, trying to kind of revamp his whole podcast, Trickle Down Theories. May come back and remain Trickle Down Theories. Might end up being called something else, but that's a little bit down the line. In the meantime, we're grafting him into the podcast. We appreciate all your efforts, Eric, that you do on the draft. It's uh, great for both Zach and I. It's great for our VIP subscribers. It's great for the listeners of the podcast. And, of course, the readers on the front page. So appreciate all the work you do. Find him on uh, Twitter, at Eric Trickle. Thanks again, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Thank you for having me. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Very illuminating conversation with Eric. We always, as mentioned, appreciate his insight. You know, he brings up Eric Dungy, and I'll be honest with you. I mean, I knew the name. I'd watched a couple of uh, clips and games, I should say highlight games of uh, Syracuse, but for fans who might want to get a little bit more of a beat of this kid, Eric published an article on Saturday that is basically five sleeper or five under-the-radar quarterbacks to monitor going into the 2019 draft. And the guy with the highest grade of that five was Eric Dungy. And so go read up. He kind of explains and elucidates what he likes about Dungy. So check that out. But, you know, this is a podcast. uh, We are recording this one on Saturday. Normally what we like to do since we've gone to our daily model is we record on Sunday. We record on Wednesday. On Sunday, we record two episodes. On Wednesday, we record two episodes. Well, on Sunday, we're going to have Super Bowl going on. We're going to have parties back and forth. It's not an ideal time this weekend for us to podcast on Sunday. So Zach and I thought, you know what? We'll pod one episode on Saturday. That'll be pre-Hall of Fame info pod, pre Super Bowl, who won, pod. And so that's why we got Eric on for this particular episode to talk some quarterbacks. We're going to get the mail back here in just a minute. And then on Tuesday's episode will be all about us reacting to the Super Bowl, to what happened with the Pro Football Hall of Fame, et cetera, et cetera. So stay tuned for that. But, Zach, 
you you go ahead and read the question, but I'm, I'm going to go in and segue. It's that time of the week where we take a peek inside the Mile High Mailbag. It's only one question today, but Zach and I are your football priests. As you know, each and every week, we're here to provide you the absolution and answers to your Burning Broncos questions. And Zach pulled one out of his mailbag today. What do you got, brother? Yeah, we're kind of in a tough spot in terms of recording, in terms of content. We'll have a lot more on Sunday for you guys. But uh, one mailback question stuck out to me. Christy at Miss Christy 78 Big, big supporter of the show. Thank you so much, Christy, for all your support, all your love. We, we really do appreciate it. Uh, she asked, Kyler Murray, the kid can play college ball well. He has all the right qualities and the skill set for the game. Do you think he has NFL franchise material? I'm having a hard time getting on board with any QBs, really. What is the best scenario or fit for our newly acquired coaches? What do you think, Chad? Mm. Well, I agree with what Eric said earlier, that if you just throw out all this back-and-forth tug-of-war, leveraging MLB, baseball, non-committal stuff, just throw that out and just go purely on his skill set and ability. I right. I think he's a playmaker. I, I understand how his size, like Eric talked about, you know, there are concerns, there's drawbacks, um, but I like the kid. And just like I said on Twitter on Friday, I took some flack that I, I would put him up there in the top three with Locke and Haskins as franchise upside, you know, the best bet to be franchise caliber players because he's just a playmaker. He's got a huge arm. And I, I concur with Trickle's um, assessment that he's more like Russell Wilson than he is like Baker Mayfield. And he's got a stronger arm, I think, than Baker mm-hmm. Mayfield. But he is a little bit more, not a little bit, a lot more prone, as Eric said, to drop his eyes and run with the ball. But I like his his... Just as a player, I like him. I mean, it really bums me out, especially after that Dan Patrick interview. And for those of you who don't know what we're talking about, you can find it on both Zach and I's Twitter accounts. Uh, Just scroll through our feed. You'll see the video. It's a real brief one, but it's the interview that he had with Dan Patrick in which Dan's asking him some pretty straightforward questions, right, Zach, about... You know, what are you going to do? Are you going to be at the combine? He wouldn't even answer whether or not he's going to be at the combine. They were just softball questions. They really were. It's all fluff. And the kid botched it. Like, if, you, if you're if you an NFL GM, Zach, how, how are you interpreting? I know what I would think, but how are you interpreting? Uh, you see that interview. You're an NFL GM. Maybe you have them up there on your board. You know, there's still a long way to go for your final right. evaluation with the combine and whatnot. But what what are, what are your takeaways on that? Well, first of all, I agree with you from a physical standpoint. He's kind of like a cross between Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield. He has a stronger arm than Mayfield, but not as strong as Russell Wilson. He's a playmaker, though, like both of them, built in the same mold. So um, physically, uh, he's he's worth a top 10, not a top 10, but a top round pick, a first round pick. But that interview just cemented to me, and I'm sure a lot of NFL decision makers and GMs, that his commitment is not to the game, not to his love of the sport, but to money. And that's that's fine. That's how some people uh, revolve their lives and, and, and base their lives around. But that's not, to me, what the Broncos should seek in a franchise quarterback, and a lot of other teams don't either. Someone like Baker Mayfield, Russell Wilson, they live and die. Like I mentioned with Trickle, they live and die the game of football. They love it. And it doesn't, it doesn't even matter about money. It's just playing the game. And I don't see that in Kyler Murray. Ultimately, I think he plays baseball. Ultimately, I think that's where his heart lies. I don't think he, he cares. If he hurts his reputation, he doesn't. it doesn't matter to him because he knows one way or the other he's going to play a sport, a pro sport 
in America making millions of dollars. So yeah. um, it just, to me, cemented how I felt about him before, what I said about him before on this podcast. Yeah. It wasn't a good look. It was awkward. It was brutal. I would stay away from him, even if he does play football. Um, if they're going to quarterback in this class, I take Drew Locke over Kyler Murray. I just think that, you know, if you look at his odds of being successful, because what he's thinking about is the quickest, surest, biggest payday now. And, you know, if you look at it that way, you, maybe you can argue that baseball would be the, the best bet for you if that's re- really what your top priority is. But mm-hmm. in terms of being able to get to that second contract and thus max out your potential of earnings throughout a pro sports career, I really believe football is his best option so long as he he really does what he should do. And this DP interview certainly didn't help in this regard to make sure he gets drafted in the top 15 because in Major League Baseball, yeah, he's going to go get that $15 million bucks or whatever the A's offered him. But then he's going to have to go through the minors. He's going to have to go through the entire process. And as a first-round pick, you know, he's going to be taken care of and his team's going to open doors. And that pedigree is going to help him on his... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Wendy's new French toast sticks are so delicious, some are saying that they're better than their mom's breakfast. Excuse me. Did you just say Wendy's new French toast sticks are better than my breakfast? Mom, is that you? Answer the question. I said some people are saying that because they're so crispy on the outside and fluffy on the inside and perfect in every way. Uh Uh-huh. And what do you think? I think it's time to tell people to choose wisely. Choose Wendy's new sweet and crispy homestyle French toast sticks. That's still not an answer. I participate in U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Way up to the bigs. But it's no guarantee he's going to make it to the bigs and then start getting into those uh, that next wave of contract and earning potential. Whereas in the NFL, if you're a first-round pick quarterback, yeah, the pressure's on. Yeah, you know you're you're gonna have to endure some some pitfalls and a trial and error learning curve, but you're gonna have an entire ball club, an entire football team, basically, you know, holding the door for you, giving you every opportunity to succeed, so to speak, and you're gonna have a lot better odds, in my opinion of hitting the ground running in terms of maximizing your earning potential and get to that second contract a lot quicker than you could with baseball. But then you got away, of course, the wear and tear of the football game. You know, he's not even 5'10", he's not even 200 pounds. So I understand why for him, baseball might be more attractive, but that's not where your stars shine in the brightest. I mean, you just won the freaking Heisman, dude. Right. Uh, you know, plus to me, though, it's ultimately immaterial because, you know, I don't think Elway is going to go out and get a guy like that and really hitch his star to someone who's not even committed to football solely no. and who has his eye on baseball. He seems like he likes an all shucks guy like Case Keenum or Brock Osweiler or Trevor Simeon even. Um, it's not what Kyler Murray is. It's not what the character he's portraying or his attitude he's putting publicly out there. I don't know his representation or whoever signed off or greenlit that interview or not told him in advance, listen, you're going to get some fluff questions don't butcher it don't be awkward don't be so cringeworthy he couldn't have handled that interview to me worse than that and it, it, for me, it just cemented how I felt about the guy. I would not go near him in the first round. With the Broncos facing a real fork in the road moment in this franchise, they haven't had a franchise quarterback in some time. A young guy they've built around, I, Kyler Murray, ultimately, not even with talent alone, 
is just to me not that guy. Yeah, you, if you're Elway, you just can't roll the dice. You just can't do it. And you know, there's a lot about his skill set that you like and his traits and everything. And I think he is one of the preeminent quarterback playmakers in this class. But Elway likes the prototypes. You know, he likes the six three to six six exactly. caliber uh, sized guys. Anyways, the big arm you know, plus mobility, traditional uh, pocket passers, really guys that looked a lot like he was as a player, to be honest with you, in terms of like Elway was known as a guy who could sit in the pocket, but especially as a young player. Now I'm pretty old as again, I'm pushing 40. So I'm old enough to remember when he was a young player. I mean, he was a backyard football type of guy. Like he could, he would break the pocket early and he'd run around, make plays with his legs, run and often advance the ball with his legs. But as he got older and started losing some of that twitch and explosion, he was still extremely elusive because of his natural athleticism, but he wasn't so much a threat. I mean, if you watch that quintessential Elway play in Super Bowl 32 and the helicopter, as it's known, mm-hmm. I mean, his run on that, it's its like watching Peyton Manning run until he takes flight. You know, he's real slow. <laughs> yeah, but he was, that was his 16th, little bootleg. Excuse me, 15th year in the NFL. So you understand he started losing some of that. But anyway, with Drew Locke, as it relates to the Broncos, I think, you know, first of all, Kyler Murray just can't be an option. As it relates to a topic of conversation, I'm sure there'll be other times later on uh, in the draft season that we're going to, you know, he'll be a topic of conversation. But as it relates specifically to the Broncos, no. You just got to cross him off the list. So to me, Zach, what we're talking about in the first round, it comes down to Drew Locke, for me, is is 1A. And Haskins, actually, Drew Locke is one for me. Haskins is two. I, when you were describing Elway, I was going to say you pretty much described Drew Locke, who Elway reportedly is smitten with. So right. Uh, right on your point, he loves quarterbacks who resemble himself, and that's that old Elway ego coming out to play. But I agree with you. I mean, in this quarterback class, as weak as it is without Justin Herbert and uh, some of the other quarterbacks that are that are going to be out next couple of years, it's got to be Drew Locke for the Broncos at 10. But there's a subset of that question. Do you move up? There's no guarantee he's going to be there, and that's a question we're going to ask ourselves countless times between now and April. Do you move up for him? Do you stay put? Do you go another position? Do you get a quarterback in the middle rounds? Do you sign a quarterback? There's so many things that come into play, but to me, it's a no-brainer. In this draft, you have to go lock over Kyler Murray. You heard it here first, you guys. Uh, But, hey, listen, that's all the time we have for today's episode. We're kicking off the week on Monday talking about these issues, talking draft, talking quarterback. It was great having Trickle on. Tomorrow, Tuesday's episode, we're going to have a lot more content to dissect and discuss. So stay tuned for that. You can find Zach on Twitter, at Kelberman247, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Make sure you're following the show account, at HuddleUpPod, if you want to get in on the Twitter mailbag questions and just stay engaged and up-to-date with what's going on with the show, at HuddleUpPod. Leave a creative review, rate the show, help us vault up the rankings, especially on iTunes, and make sure you are subscribing, y'all. For Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.